have never been lower. Oh, okay. Welcome to episode 230 of Breaking Cafe with Adrian and Barry. Yes, Bill Butlicker. He wanted that that fine quality copy paper, Barry. Do you remember that episode? It sounds like it's from The Office. Is that yeah, right? Correct, Amundo, sir. Okay. And on this particular episode of The Office, no, actually, it's Breaking Cafe with Adrian and Barry. I will tell you that our match of the week is a humdinger, but there are some points of contention between Mr. Rose, soon to be the former co-host of Breaking Cape. How <laughs> dare you disagree with me on anything? Yes. But we'll talk about that. Points of disagreement about various aspects of the match. And we'll offer some Florida man or not. We got a couple of talking points. We're going to speak to sweet Lou about his recent vacation with the lovely sainted Mrs. Kippelman. And our own Barry Rose will perhaps discuss <clears throat> the out-of-town uh, <clears throat> portion of the, the event uh, where he and the new Queen Opasta went down to the nation's capital, as well as Baltimore, uh, Annapolis. And, you know, and it's like Seinfeld said, once you're planning the vacation, Barry, pretty soon you're going to notice that uh, you're putting the deodorant in her cabinet at her place. Uh, she's putting some uh, feminine care products in uh, your place. And then you find yourself in a relationship, my friend. Well, coincidentally, Jeff, uh-huh. now that you brought that up, as I look into my bathroom and I walk in, there is an extra toothbrush that is in the uh, holder. I'm glad you're is- not sharing because Jerry wouldn't like that. Yeah. And well, comment, no comments. And then there is underneath the cabinet, there is some like creams. I don't know. Stuff that are, we don't are there use, ointments there. I don't think <laughs> no ointments are what I'm using. She's okay. using some sort of cream. Is there any lubricating gel in the cabinet? I is if I say no comment, does that constitute a yes? Oh, we'll just leave it at that. OK, so as we move forward, Barry, let me just ask you a couple quick questions. Sure. The wife and I recently, because we support various institutions that are well-known throughout this country, went out and bought some Girl Scout cookies because we support the Girl Scouts, especially when it's time to buy cookies. Barry, what is your favorite kind of Girl Scout cookie? Well, the uh, conventional, again, everybody almost always says what were formerly known as the Samoans or the Samoas. Samoans, yeah, often Sika. Yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, yes, this, I think they're called Samu. Like, tagalongs or something now. Uh, no, but, tagalongs are the ones that are the. Uh, it's the wafer with peanut butter and then chocolate covering him. Because I that's my favorite. Yeah, I mistakenly bought those the other night. So oh, my like favorite that. are, in fact, the doosy doos. Yes, the peanut butter in the middle, uh, oatmeal crackers, uh, very good. Uh, so it's a fair answer. Now, next, before we go to our match of the week, Barry. Let's talk Reacher versus Peacemaker because yes. Mrs. Baldron and I have had the chance now to binge watch. I got Mrs. Baldron on board with this, Barry. Peacemaker, not your children's, or I shouldn't say not, not your children, not your parents' superhero, to be sure. To be sure, too. So this is a tough one. Look, I I watched Reacher based off of your recommendation, and then seeing that, Cena was doing Peacemaker. There were some good reviews. I was, I think, twiddling around HBO Max. Twiddling you? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Tell me. I thought you were twiddling yourself. But anyway, we do that frequently as well. But but with that, I I immediately logged in and said, let me watch an episode. And I think the first episode, I wasn't hooked. And I've seen that comment everywhere as well. By the second episode, I was hooked. And 
I, I went back and I was like, you know what? I think I like that more than Reacher. But then I start thinking about Reacher and I'm like, maybe I liked Reacher more. So I am going to play Switzerland and stay neutral with this. I really didn't have a favorite. I will tell you, I absolutely loved both shows. Peacemaker, much more sense of humor than Reacher has. Oh, yeah. No, no question about that. Yeah. I think I liked the action sequences in Reacher a little bit more. So they're different. While there's similarities, and certainly John Cena and the lead of, uh, of Reacher look, look alike, there's a, a physical similarity. I, it's hard for me to say. I, I think the Cena one was maybe more fun. The Reacher maybe sucked me in a little bit more because I was really taken with the storyline with that. But a really tough call. But again, how fucking lucky are we that we get both these shows, though? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is no, the first of all, there's no wrong answer because yes. both shows are excellent. I went into, you know, by, as I mentioned previously, my wife has read, I think, every Reacher novel. So she has a preconceived notion of what the character looks like in her head. The Tom Cruise version, while I liked it, you know, I mean, if it's on, I'm flipping the channel. So uh, one of the Reacher movies is on, I'll watch it. And, you know, it's good. But this was a step above. And not just uh, the, the plot line, the storyline. I know they've already uh, apparently booked season two. They've already picked the book out. They're going to base it on uh, a fun storyline just because of the uh, uh, the action sequences, the, the storyline, the plot twists were very good. Now, when you compare that to Peacemaker, Peacemaker is like, it's got the action sequences. Now, I will tell you that I literally was five minutes into the first episode of Peacemaker. I had to text my son-in-law and I said, let me just ask you real quick. Is there a movie I need to have watched before I understand what's going on in this? And he said, literally, there's a reference to a movie that's in the first 30 seconds of episode one. And then you don't need to worry about it. And I said, okay. So I kept going and... It was a hell of a fun ride. I got to say that some great acting. You know, one thing I was I was actually talking with a friend of mine last night, and I said, you know, I said I really love the fact that John Cena has this self-deprecating humor, very much akin to The Rock in some of his movies. You know, where he's not afraid. We've talked about before how Steven Seagal ruined his chances long term. Uh, besides the fact he's reportedly an asshole. But he would never, ever poke fun at himself. He was so fucking serious about everything. And the fact that The Rock and John Cena are not afraid to make fun of themselves and, you know, poke fun at themselves really makes them endearing, Barry. Yeah, it does, too. And I so th there was a lot. I saw a lot of uh, posts throughout social media saying that John Cena may be the greatest wrestler to ever have turned into an actor. And I think a lot of that was directly attributed over The Rock. I think that's exactly what people were trying to accomplish. Wait, wait, you, mean, you mean he's better than Hulk Hogan and all well, Hulk Hogan's <laughs> Well, right, right. Oh, he, Hulk Hogan, who was an absolutely horrific actor. Like, he really <laughs> exactly. was. He was a horrible wrestler, too. But that Oh, yeah, yeah. But just as an actor, my God, was he terrible. It just that did not translate in any way. It, you know, there, there is definitely a difference between John Cena and The Rock. The Rock always has this kind of maybe smugness where he's winking at the camera. It's a little, you know, you're right. John Cena was self-deprecating. He was flawed. The character certainly was flawed, but 
uh, Cena did a great job. He was, there was no overacting, if anything, at times a little understated, but he wasn't embarrassing as a lot of times, you know, non-actors can be. I thought he did a really good job. Obviously, uh, the direction helped him out. Supporting cast was fantastic. We discussed this. I mean, if you don't watch Peacemaker and want to run out and buy an American Eagle as your pet, which I'm against <laughs> the law. Legally, right. I'm pretty sure you can't no, do no, it. No, I said eagerly. Oh, eagerly. I thought yeah. you said legally, which yeah. I was thinking, no, you can't do it. But, <laughs> and, and here was the other thing. The, the, you know, there are, there's two scenes, I'm not going to spoil anything, where the eagle gives John Cena a hug. Yes. And I got to tell you, first off, as, as animal lovers, as Jeff and I are both, you know, hardcore animal lovers, I, I was getting a little teary-eyed, but the special effects with the eagle hugging John Cena my God, I mean, I, I just was blown. I realized, again, I don't watch a lot of Star Wars movies and things like that, so I'm sure I'm missing out, but it looks like a fucking eagle is hugging John Cena. There's <laughs> nothing there that says that's not a real eagle. So a really great show. I don't think I could recommend this any higher, but Jeff, I am about to possibly blow your mind a little bit I started watching a new show last week. Well, I tell you what, before All you right. start talking about that, I, I do want to mention one last thing. Oh, about please. Peacemaker please. Yes. Before you get to the new show. One thing we have not mentioned, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but. How great was the fact that they included all the 80s hair metal music in there? Jeff, you're 100% there, correct. Thank you, Chick. There is a part there's a part in the movie where there's two i'll just say that way i'm not spoiling there's two characters that do not get along okay and there is a point where one of the characters mentions a band from the 80s i'll I'll tell the band because that doesn't uh, spoil the characters he mentions the hair metal band hanoi rocks okay and the one character looks at the other character and goes you you like hanoi rocks and he goes Oh, fuck yeah. Hanoi Rocks is a great band. And they bond over the fact that they love the band Hanoi Rocks. There's also references to bands like Saigon Kick. And what's great is this is these are bands that I used to give Flaherty shit about when Flaherty would talk metal with me. And I'd say, well, what about Saigon Kick? What about Hanoi Rocks? Well, what about these bands? And, and you know, Flaherty would roll his eyes at me and stuff like that. But the fact that they're so included in this show... Every episode, there is some sort of theme song from a 80s hair metal band, and it's absolutely glorious. And I, I really can't believe I'm saying that, but it's it's at the way they meld it into the storyline and include, oh my God, Barry, it's fucking awesome. Well, again, Jeff, you, you'd be 100% correct. Check. What check. they've done my, my is second check. you're getting it every episode. And they aren't just going, you know, we think of, you know, hair metal bands, uh, it's Motley Crue, it's uh, Poison. They're going a little deeper, which I like. First oh, yeah. Off. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're bringing up, there was a couple of bands, I don't know if they were legit or not, because I had never heard the name. The scene that you talk about, too, what a great way to take that, that genre of music to bridge uh, the, the dislike that these two characters have for each other. I thought that was great. There's so much about this that works. Also, the opening theme, and I don't know if that was a song that was created for the show or not, but it's essentially hair metal. And then yeah. the opening sequence of the show with the dancing, 
is genius because immediately with the opening sequence, you're you're realizing this is all self self fucking deprecating. It's none of this is supposed to be taken too seriously. No, it's all it, a lot it, of fun. It, let's put it this way: there is a character. I will just say his name. I think he's called was it the uh, judo master or something like that. Oh, yes, and. There is a, let's just say, a physical component to the judo master that is uh, um, lacking, and but it plays into the whole storyline to hilarious effect. So while you're seeing all this fucking action, there is like these joke, like little jokes being thrown out there, you know, pop culture references Lots. that. Oh my god, it's just absolutely glorious. So Reacher and Peacemaker, two great shows, both with lots of action, but both very different in a lot of ways. Okay, so now, Wait, Jeff, Jeff, let me just add one, two other things quickly, okay. too. One is Robert Patrick as his father. Oh, yes. The horrible racist father, yes. Oh, and a horrible father, a horrible human being, a horrible, he's as bad as you could get. Uh, and certainly Robert Patrick has aged a bit since his Terminator two days 30 years ago. But here's what I think is really indicative of a great show. And you brought up Judo Master, and it made me think about it. We loved Bosch. Yes. I thought Bosch, one of my favorite, I'll say maybe top 10 shows of all time. And what I liked about Bosch was I liked the fact that he was heavily into jazz music, even if I'm not per se, the fact that he was deep into it, it's almost in some ways that Peacemaker was doing that with the hair metal stuff, which I thought was it great. It out the character. It ma makes yes. him more human, you know? And there is what I think a lot of the success of this show is. When you just mentioned Judo Master, one of the things that went through my head, I've always felt, and again, th this means absolutely nothing because I'm not a, a any sort of uh, in that field, but I've always felt that fleshing out a character and having the audience really understand a character, even by subtle things, can take a weak story and make it better if you love the characters. I've always said with The Big Lebowski, it's almost like the storyline is insignificant to me. It's the relationship between Walter and the dude that really makes that movie. And it's all the little weird character things. It's like when Walter pulls on the lapel of his vest. He, he's always pulling. I don't know if you ever caught that. So with when, when it came to Peacemaker, you're talking about Judo Master, who always has a bag of chips in his hand. Cheetos. Cheetos. It's, it's amazing. They've got this where they've given these characters all these l subtle little nuances that make these characters so much more understandable for us. I just, again, I, I think that's where Peacemaker beats, it beats Reacher because they've really gone in deep with all these little character developments, but two thumbs up, Jeff, new show. This is where I was getting before. So not a new show. It's a uh, five or six years old. And I just got into it. Somebody said, have you ever seen this? And I said, no. And they said, watch the first episode. Let me know what you think. Goliath on prime. That's with uh, Billy Bob Thornton, correct? It is with Billy Bob Thornton. There are, I believe, four seasons. I, I have finished up the first season. Let me go on record, Jeff. This is big news breaking right now. The first season, I did hear the third season got a little too weird for people, so I, I can't wait to get to that season. The first season of Goliath on Prime may have been one of the greatest first seasons of any television show I have ever seen. As as Jeff is guaranteed to me, 
Watch Reacher. You're going to love it. I now give you that same stamp, Jeff. Watch Goliath. You will absolutely. There's a lot of courtroom drama. He's a lawyer. He's a disgraced lawyer in a sense. You will absolutely love Goliath. Highest recommendating recommendation for season one. Okay, so just uh, for those uh, like myself that never seen it, uh, you say he's a disgraced lawyer. Any other background on the story? What it's about? Yeah, so I I think it's gonna. I think every season's gonna take on a different uh, deal, a different case, a different whatever it is. Much like Bosch kind of did, but he's a a lawyer that has essentially been uh, kicked out of his firm that he created, disbarred, uh, if you will. Dis, well, but he's not disbarred from practicing okay. law. Okay. It's just he's not part of that any longer, though his ex-wife is. She's in the firm. And then there's a guy, uh, the other lawyer, it's called Cooperman McBride. Cooperman is played by William Hurt, who is, I think, one of the most yeah. evil characters in the history of television. He great, plays a, great actor, too. Oh, he's uh, again, if there's parts in here where you want to reach through the screen and just beat the fuck out of him because you just hate him that much. So tremendous actor. But there's all these little deals. But essentially, there is a uh, and also the woman who works with him is just hysterical. She is great. She is ballsy. But essentially, they've taken on a case where they are suing his old firm who represents this, I guess it's a, uh, a weapons manufacturing company for the wrongful death of an employee. And they're saying that that this employee committed suicide and McBride, who is Goliath, that's uh, Billy Bob Thornton, it has proof that it's not. And that's it. So I don't want to give away too much. Okay, but, that's fine. So so other than Billy Bob Thornton, William Hurt, anybody else we might recognize? Uh, Maria Bello is in here. She is fantastic. Oh, exactly. Oh, I remember that stairway scene. Yes, sir. <laughs> and does she look good in this show? It's the dresses that she wears. Uh, I will also break kayfabe, and I don't think there is, is also— twice a, in one episode, mister. There is—I know. Well, I, I'm taking liberties at this moment. I'm feeling cocky. There is a a lesbian scene between Ooh, Maria Bello and someone else that is uh, for our 99.9% all male audience. Uh, <laughs> you'll want to check that out. Uh, that was spectacular. But there is a daughter, much like Bosch had a teen daughter. There is a daughter that appears to be the same age as Bosch's daughter. But it, everything just seems to work about this. There aren't a ton of familiar names. There's a lot of people that I don't know who they are and they're great. Uh, you know, who's in this is, uh, and boy, is he creepy as shit? Dwight Yoakam. He was, uh, was sling blade. He was, I think he's good friends with Billy Bob. Yeah. And Dwight, Goliath getting the solid 8.2 on IMDb Barry. Yeah. And I, and I wonder, so when I posted in, in the Facebook group and, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, we always ask the question, Jeff, what do we ask? Uh, why the fuck are you listening to our show? <laughs> it's pretty much it. We're like, wait a minute, you're missing out by not being, uh, you know. And Jeff, I should say, as I have the television on currently, Los Lobos playing, I will be seeing Los Lobos in concert in just a few Nice. Minutes. Very excited. That was a Valentine's Day gift to my two that somebody got me. Uh, and oh, it would be a, it would, exactly. And I'll take that because well, what'd you excited. get her like a box of Reese's or something like that? I, Reese's that we can share, Jeff. That's exactly. that was, I, I have a whole lot at Goliath. I see amongst others listed. We've got, uh, uh, Bruce Dern future, future. Season. Yes. 
yeah. J.K. Uh, Simmons, uh, who's great. Yes. Uh, Dennis Quaid. So yeah, there are uh, there are a few names in here that I recognize. Graham Greene, uh, who I believe he was in Heat. I Graham Greene is Native American. Yes. Yes. Uh, Dwight Yoakam, Paul Dwight Yoakam, and Paul Williams. There's a good combo for you. Wow. So Paul Williams has got to be another season. He wasn't. Yeah. Dwight Yoakam, and I think he was specific to this one. He, and I think he is good friends with Billy Bob, which would explain yeah. their connection to each other. He he dated, if I'm correct, Sharon Stone at one point. To give you some context, and uh, Sharon, this was when Sharon Stone was, you know, really on top of the world, and. Uh, he has not aged tremendous. He has gained some weight, but he's got this basketball shaped head with he's balding, but is keeping the hair long. And he just looks like some kind of troll that's crawled out from underneath it. Much like that guy that we reference uh, that lives in Virginia, uh, this little troll piece of shit, very similar uh, with this long hair, just, you know, trying to hold on to something that doesn't exist. And that's Dwight Yoakam. But William Hurt, I think, is a revelation. I don't know what happened to William Hurt's career. If I'm correct, it may have been severe alcoholism because this is his acting is at a different level. And there are parts where you truly hate him. And I'll this is not a spoiler. The character development that we just talked about when it came to Peacemaker William Hurt has gone through, I believe it was Vietnam and a some sort of grenade or a, a, a bomb exploded in his face and one side of his body is burned and the other is not. But I guess whenever he wants What's to he like Harvey Dent and Batman, he's got. Uh... Yeah, yeah. But it, it looks a lot better, actually. It doesn't look quite right, right now. Trust me, somewhere out there uh, in our listening audience. Someone just popped huge because I mentioned fucking Harvey Dent from Batman. Thank you very kindly. There you go, and Barry. His name is Zaha. The <laughs> yes. person that just that is jumping up and down with his arms in the air, and little Bryson right next to him probably doing it as well. Uh, but this this actually looks looks legit. Looks like he really was burned. It plays into the storyline. But one of the things he does is when he can't control the situation, or he wants the other lawyers in the firm to shut up. He has a clicker in his hand and he'll just start clicking it. And initially I really hated it. By the end, it really plays into the story. So, so what's, the, what's, what's the guy in Breaking Bad? Uh, the, the, Heisenberg? No, no. The, the, the mob boss with the clicker in the wheelchair. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, That's yeah. That's the first thing I thought of. So let me uh, see your Goliath and I'll up you one, Barry. Because I referenced at the end of last week's show the fact that I stumbled across this uh, article on on um, on Google where they referenced this genre that I had never heard of called Nordic Noir. And it's all about these TV shows or movies that are set in cold climates where, like, there's a little bit of a mystery. So as I started going through, the first show that they referenced was a show called Border Town. I have now completed season one of Border Town. I can tell you, Barry, 7.6 on IMDb, by the way. Absolutely no one that you would recognize. This is a, a show that is set in Finland. It is available dubbed or in, uh, you know, with the uh, the captions if you want. So it's about a detective who works in, like, uh, I think the capital city is Reykjavik. And he is sort of, something happens, they don't really get into it in season one, where he is sent 
uh, to a small town where his wife is from. Uh, I say small town. It's like 100,000 people. And he is assigned to their uh, special crime unit where they investigate, like, you know, murders that are unsolved and stuff like that. So this guy is almost, I guess, your Finnish version of a profiler. He gets in head, you know, much like uh, the guy, uh, what was it, in, in Manhunter, where he gets inside the serial killer's head. What's interesting about this show is the first season, I believe they have 11 episodes, and uh, the first three episodes are around one case. Then the remainder of the season, the storylines are wrapped up in two episodes. Like you have the one episode with a little cliffhanger, but then the next uh, episode, they kind of wrap up the storyline they're on. Except on the last episode, there is a, a crime that he's working to solve, and he thinks he solved it, and he realizes that the guy, the, the, the serial killer that he's hunting, has got away and has sort of gotten away with the crime. And he realizes the last, like literally the last line of the show is he completely fooled me. And that's kind of cool because I'm guessing that's going to carry into season two. It's called border town. I will tell you, Barry, he has a teenage daughter. What? <laughs> so, um, and, and they, uh, apparently the finish have no problem showing fucking scenes. I will just tell you that. Oh, nice. As a, you know, maybe a little, little bone to throw you there. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, so I think pun intended, Jeff. Well, I don't know. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> but a uh, border town, uh, very, apparently the show came out in like 2017. Then they skipped like a year or two. Then they came back and did another, uh, two seasons. So there's a total of three seasons. Don't know if it's going any further than that. But uh, if you're looking for something a little bit different, I think uh, that's something that uh, you might want to check out. I'm going to check out Goliath when I get a chance. I'm going to recommend awesome. to Barry that he check out Border Town when he gets a chance. Barry, what do you say now we talk about our match of the week? We are going up. Oh, Barry, it says here we're going this year. Yes. January 29th, 2022. We are going to the UK. Will Ospreay versus Michael Oku. Now, I will tell you folks out there, plain and simple, the, the guru, the melt, put over this match huge in the Observer. And I said, ah, let me watch it. Let me check it out, see what I think. And I will tell you folks, for reasons that we're about to get into, I think I like this match a lot more than Barry did. Uh, Barry's going to get into his reasons for that. So, Barry, tell the folks what you liked and did not like, maybe, about Will Ospreay versus Michael Oku from the UK. Dave Meltzer saying early contender for match of the year in uh, 2022. Well, I, you know, I the first thing I did when I saw that, I was like, well, Meltzer's got to be on the RevPro payroll, right? Of course, if, if yes. He's, much if he's like putting he's on it over. W's payroll and New uh, Japan. New <laughs> Japan, yes, he's on all those. Pay Dave apparently is making some nice coin. Because he's on a lot of payrolls. And you got to remember, with the the circle jerk that we have, it's me, you, and Dave whenever it comes to Japanese matches. True, so, true. Well, I don't know if Cholminski's involved or not. Oh, he's got to be. Cholminski's yeah. got to be there as well. But So, look, it, I didn't like it as much as you do. We'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, I had no idea who Michael Oku was prior to this I, match. I, I, had, I literally had never heard of the guy. And when you see him... Your first thought is this guy's going to have what's essentially going to be a five-star match because he just look, doesn't look like a whole lot until the match starts, right? When he's just standing in the corner, you're like, yeah, I don't know. Just, you know, it looks like if Leo Rush gained 30 pounds is kind of like what I saw. Well, I'll, put it, I'll put it another way. Sure. 
and, and this is in no way to defame this guy's ability because I think this guy is great, but I'm just talking his body style and type. Yes. Uh, Adam Cole, you know, yeah, yeah, has sort a, of a nondescript uh, physique, if you will. Would, and so Michael a, Oku, very nondescript physique. Very nondescript. Again, had no idea who he was. And then by the end of the match, you're saying this guy's got a massive future. He can probably go anywhere he wants to go. And I'm surprised that uh, one of the American companies hasn't looked to bring him over. So I did like this match. Uh, There is a lot here. Will Ospreay, I should say, too. So I have been out of the loop with Will Ospreay the last couple of years. Is he still in New Japan? Uh, A matter of fact, I think as we speak, he's uh, (laughs) heading over there for the New Japan Cup. Or something, I, I, I'm almost positive if he's not there now, within the next couple of weeks, he's going to be over there. So I, I hadn't seen Will Ospreay, and I'll say it was either beginning of COVID, maybe prior to COVID. He has changed his look dramatically. And with that, he has taken on what I would say is a massive personality. And if there was one fault, Will Ospreay is one of those guys that appears to be really, really polarizing. A lot of people hate him, think he's the death of pro wrestling. I think he's great. Uh, I think he does some stuff. I would say he's probably top five wrestlers currently working right now, at least that I could think of. But he's changed his look over the last couple of years, too, between gain some weight, uh, the clothes he's wearing, the outfits, the hairstyle. Looks like a different guy, but as a wrestler, he is top, top fucking notch. They did put on a great match. They, and please don't don't let me take away any of that this is a great match in my opinion i think it went on just a little bit too long and you know with with long matches if you're going to do a long match the idea for me would be you want to tell the story if you're going to take 45 to 55 minutes which i believe this match is well you want to tell a story hold on i'm sorry let me yeah. let me just say the clip that i provided you i think was like 52 minutes yes that is including the ring introductions the right. walk up to the ring. So the match itself is not that long. The entire video package absolutely right. is. So it's, anyway, it's probably, and I got to say, you're right, because I don't think the match starts until almost nine minutes into the, the YouTube clip that you sent me. So, yeah, so maybe it's about 40 minutes. With that, there is a story that's being told here, and uh, I, I don't want to take away from that. I think if this match had been cut down to a little under 30 minutes, I think it would have I think it would have done the storyline a little better. The other point of contention I have is Michael Oku's girlfriend. And I have her name here somewhere. I totally do you remember what is it Blair? Is that right? It's Blair. Uh, that sounds Blair. Right. Well, let, let's just say Michael Oku's girlfriend and his parents are sitting yes. at ringside. Yeah. And I, I actually like the parent, the parental aspect of having it. I definitely felt like his girlfriend was a uh she was obviously it was a hardcore plant and of course she is right if she's there and whatever and there's some scenes with the towel jeff and the bloody towel and all that that i thought were good i I thought she played into the match a little too much and i or at least they referenced her and went to her a little bit too much i think a little less of me knowing that she was there would have been better it, again, strictly my opinion, it, it appears a lot of people disagree with that and think that uh, her being ringside made the match. But I, I like it. I thought the final stretch was literally some sort of masterpiece. You know, Osprey pulling Oku from the hands of his girlfriend, the towel spot, the storm breaker that ended it, uh, those hidden blades, all no, that no. shit. 
Was yeah. it called? Just to clarify, is it the Stormbreaker, which is what I thought it was? But then I, I heard the announcer, and I thought he said the Storm Cutter. I thought it was Stormbreaker. So it's one well. of those. Two. Anyway, yeah, please. it could be Storm Cutter. Uh, and on that note, the commentary was good. Yes. I don't know who these guys are. I don't no. know anything about this company, but I got to tell you, I thought the commentary was fantastic. The guy that is the color commentator, Barry, tell me if you recognize this phrase from the match. What did you expect? Because he must say that 25 times during the match. He does. Because <laughs> he he's obviously pro Osprey. Okay. So every time, you know, Osprey will hit it, will hit a move. And the uh, the play-by-play guy's like, oh, my God, will Ospreay, Ospreay hit him again? And the guy would go, what did you expect? And it's like he keeps saying it over and over again. And it, I will say, it's not like you're like, oh, shut the fuck up. You know, I mean, it's part of the storyline of the match. It, 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 well, that's it. It is part of the storyline. And again, you know, he, he, did, he does say it about 25 times, though. You'd be absolutely correct. A lot of this match, I'll tell you, Ospreay is Osprey could come over to AEW, I feel, in a heartbeat and be he could be I, I think Osprey could out Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega in a lot of ways. I think he could be everything uh, that Kenny Omega is and more. And maybe that'll happen because I know Kenny Omega apparently has some uh, some injuries that he's having a hard time with. But I think Osprey and what I like about Osprey. He comes, he's, he could be so unlikable. He comes across as such a douche at times. You know, I, I like that too. The only thing that I would say with Oku, and I thought Oku was good. He, there was some botch, uh, some botched moves on from his side. He definitely isn't as smooth as Osprey. Osprey obviously leading this match, but making Oku look like a million dollars in a lot of ways as well. I think Will Ospreay in AEW, and again, a lot of people are going to hate that. I think Ospreay in AEW almost seems to be a natural, and I think he would do extremely well. Will Ospreay in this match, to me, and I'm with you, Barry, I really liked him in New Japan a couple years ago before the pandemic hit. I was a big fan of his. He, to me, shows like, top three in the world. Yes. Uh, you yes. know, like uh, I'm thinking Okada, Danielson and Osprey to me have got to be the top three guys in the world. And, you know, whether he, uh, you know, when he goes to new Japan, if he has a, a match or two with, with Okada, that would be really good stuff. Uh, Ibushi, I heard uh, maybe out of the, uh, the cup coming up. Apparently he hasn't fully recovered. I just saw something about that today, but uh, yeah, the possibility of, of, Osprey coming over and working a series with Brian Danielson. Oh, Ooh, that could be very interesting. Uh, and by the way, I, in fact, Barry, will now break kayfabe. What? To the audience, because this is something you already know. Uh, and to me, as a fan who has been very much on the sort of the periphery of the uh, of the wrestling business for the last decade, excellent use of the word periphery on my part, by the way, I can now tell the folks that I have decided that uh, I'm going to be getting the AEW pay-per-view because they have, yes, that's hard-earned cash, not by me, but by Mrs. Bowdrin, that I will be spending on the pay-per-view. And the reason is, is because when I watched the show the other night, I was thinking, I go, you know, they have created enough compelling storylines to where I want to see what's going to happen. And I think if they've done that, that I'm willing to spend 50 bucks on this card 
I think that speaks very well for AEW. We're getting off the point of the uh, Will Ospreay, Michael. Well, but I think what's important about that, really what you just said, is that you haven't spent, uh, you know, Jeff, you still have the first dollar you made 50 years ago. Wait a minute, mister. I got uh, I got a $2 bill in my pocket right now. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, uh, and th- this, that's this upcoming Saturday night? Um, Isn't it this Saturday it's night? It's either Saturday or Sunday, but it's this okay. weekend, I know. It is. I better get that right, though. Otherwise, yeah. Oh, fuck. I missed it. You you better you better start for yourself as well. Exactly. You better start to uh, to I think it is Saturday, but I don't know. On that note, if I do not go to Pittsburgh, which I am uh, at this point, about 75 percent sure that I am, I'd be getting this as well. Of course, if there's a way I can get around paying for it because I am cheap and broke. I would love to do that, but I agree with you. Look, I, I think I've gotten two of the AEW pay-per-views uh, over the last six, eight months, whatever it's been. Uh, I, I li- They're great. I have so much fun. Th- this is why I'm a wrestling fan. These are the reasons. I, I love that. So well, and I, they, they I, offer I different stuff, too. It's not all the same, you know. Uh, uh, this match, uh, like it's, uh, they've established the characteristics. You know, we talked about fleshing out the characters where, you know, you're interested in the characters, you're interested in what's going to happen. And to the point, and then when I want to get back to this match, they're doing this all without Kenny Omega, which is pretty incredible. And maybe it's the fact that Cody is gone. Maybe that's why I want to <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, getting back to this match. So the other thing besides the what did you expect, the other comment that I love from this match, that is what happens when you put your hands on another man's woman. So Barry referenced the fact that Michael Oku's girlfriend is sitting ringside, good-looking woman, uh, very attractive. But at some point during the match, when Osprey has the advantage and he's really dominating Michael Oku, Michael Oku is doing a great job as a babyface selling it. By the way, let me just mention, they're in this building that is uh, looks to hold, God, not even 1,000 people. Is that Would you say that's fair, Bear? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a thousand. I yeah, agree because the, you know, they have like a, a second level that sort of like overlooks the ringside area. It looks like a great building to watch matches in because there's a lot of good sight lines and stuff like that. But the crowd, because it's Michael Oku's hometown, apparently they're just rabid and fervent in their support for Michael Oku. Okay. And Osprey is doing such a great job being Barry said, a despicable heel. He really is just a piece of shit in this match, the way he treats the hometown boy. And he's brilliant at it, okay? There's a lot of use of the single-leg Boston Crab, where, I mean, holy crap, Barry, they are wrenching back on that side. I love that, yeah. Yeah, uh, we get double juice in the match. Uh, they're, the, they're, uh, the, a second for Michael Oku is like, kind of, eh, should I throw it in? Should I throw it in? Eh, yeah, oh, no, I'm not going to. And then I think uh, at some point, the white towel comes out again a few minutes later, and Osprey grabs the white towel, he wipes Michael Oku's face, and then he throws it back in the direction of the girlfriend and the parents. Just really, really good stuff. And, you know, the note that I made, he almost appears to be taunting the audience, you know? Like, I can beat this guy anytime I want. He's done, but I'm going to make him suffer just to piss off the fans. And he, he's great at it. And, you know, and what I loved about this, this is not the Will Ospreay, as Barry said from a couple of years ago, who's doing all these fucking incredible flying moves. And he was great then, but he's fleshed out the character of Will Ospreay, 
you know, now he comes in this, he's got this coat that uh, is uh, in a lot of ways similar to uh, Kazuchika Okada's coat yep. that he comes to the ring in. Yep. Uh, and he comes out and he's just an asshole. And the fact that he's created this asshole dynamic to uh, the Will Ospreay that's great in the ring as he was a couple of years ago just has fleshed out the character of Will Ospreay and it makes him that much more watchable there. Yeah, he, uh, again, Will Ospreay. And I, I met Will Ospreay years ago. He was here in uh, Philly. It was in, when, the, I guess it was either a New Japan show or it was a New Japan ROH show and Will Ospreay was here. And honestly, if I had turned on the television to watch this match and didn't know it was Ospreay, I wouldn't have known it was him. Because he's not only changed his physical appearance, but as you just said, his style of wrestling, he's not doing exactly what he used to do. I think he is the next big star to come over to the U.S. I I think he could have a huge impact over here. I'd have to think that's on the roadmap somewhere. Yeah, and uh, as I said, we'll post a link to this match. Now, Barry did tell me there were some problems with the uh, the full match, uh, which, you know, in the full intros and... uh, you know, uh, announcements and the walk up and stuff. That's like over 50 minutes. There's also like an eight minute package that's highlights from the match that uh, includes some stuff. So if there's a problem with the extended long-term uh, version of the match, I will post the highlight package uh, in the group so that everyone can get a look at this because it's really, really good stuff. Can't recommend it enough. So Barry, now what do you say we do a little Florida man or not? Are you ready? It's my favorite time of the week, Jeff, when we do Thank it. you. I, I would hate to think that's really true, but I'll take your word for it. All right. Headlines, Barry. Naked lawyer busted for bar antics. Barry, the headline reads, after she was resu- I'm sorry, refused service by a bar manager, a drunk lawyer went into a restroom and then emerged, quote, unclothed and completely naked, according to police who charged her with disorderly conduct. According to the arrest report, Kelly Elkins entered the lounge around 2.15. Nothing good happens after 2 a.m. I've been trying to tell you people that. But was, quote, intoxicated to the point the manager refused to serve her. Barry, I'm sure that you've had occasions as a former server to have people that were perhaps a little under the weather. Barry, did you ever run across that situation? Oh, on a daily basis, Jeff. Yes, Yes, of course. Instead of departing, Elkins, quote, walked into the restroom, then came back out into the bar, unclothed and completely naked. When Elkins, seen at right, they show her photos, she's a hot piece of mess, refused the manager's request to get dressed. Police were summoned. Upon arriving at the bar, sheriff's deputies noted that Elkins was still naked and had to be repeatedly told to get, for God's sakes, get dressed. But the attorney would only put, she would only put on a hoodie, which was very accommodating, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but she would not zip it up. Very Florida woman or not. So I was, I was leaning towards 100% Florida woman, the hoodie thing. And that I'm thinking, okay, hoodie, but it's catch it, Just catch a draft. That's what she but, is. But it is, look, it is winter in Florida. There are days and nights where it could be in the 40s. I'm going to say Florida. I'm going to say this took place in Florida, yes. St. Petersburg Beach. Woo! Woo-hoo. There you go. Yes, indeed. Courtesy of the Smoking Gun website, Barry. That's a, yeah. I'll put the hoodie on, but not the rest of my clothes, by God. Barry. Do, do we have a photo of this? Uh, this uh, we do, this and we will provide that content uh, on our beloved Facebook page. Jeff, hot 
or not? Uh, no, definitely not. Oh, okay. In that case, all right. We're good. So. Barry, our next Florida man or not story headlines. Parents, 12-year-olds say, verbally accosted kids at a Valentine's Day party. What? Valentine's Day. A Valentine's Day sleepover uh, party for tween girls that included watching the film Titanic. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> Jack and what's her name? Uh, you know. Uh, Rose. Turn bizarre. And, and, you know, how do you explain to those tween girls the scene where Jack's painting her in the back of the car when she's sans clothing and uh, the windows get a little steamed up? I may have seen the movie once or twice. Turn bizarre and tearful after parents say a congressional candidate allegedly became drunk and berated some of the children in attendance. Party held at the home of a parent on February 11th included eight girls between the ages of 12 and 13. The lady was allegedly at the home the night of the party at the invitation of the homeowner, who was the mother of one of the children. According to multiple accounts of the evening, the woman became intoxicated and spoke derogatorily of some of the girls. She allegedly called one girl, quote, an acne fucker. <laughs> prompted the girl. To, that's just brutal. We prompted the girl to leave the room in tears. She allegedly called another girl, quote, a judgy fucker. She apparently likes the F word. At one point, the woman allegedly vomited into a laundry basket and then onto a girl's shoes. Barry. Florida woman or not. Well, first off, favorite story in a while from Florida. <laughs> so I, I got to tell you, T-shirts that say acne fucker on it. <laughs> I think would be breaking kayfabe with Bowdrin and Barry. Yes. And if I think if we just maybe, you know, just take the U out of fucker, we could put that on a T-shirt. But I think that's gold right there. Uh, This is a great story, Jeff. I am going to say only because the other story took place in Florida. This did not. This certainly could have taken place in Florida. This took place, though, Jeff. Fucker being used a lot. There was acne. It's a Congress. This took place somewhere in Michigan. Good guess. Oklahoma. Oh, where the winds go whipping down the plains. I think that's the name of the way the song goes. Uh, No. uh, Yeah. This and not only this, a congressional candidate in Oklahoma becoming drunk and and berating the 12 congressional candidate. Yeah. So, yeah. Ah, Barry, there's a reason we don't talk politics. So as promised. Folks, our own Mr. Rose taking a trip recently to the Capitol, uh, also to, as they call it uh, on the uh, the wire, Baltimore, uh, and uh, to Annapolis, home of the Naval Academy. Harry, tell us what you did for the last couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. It was, was it a uh, nice trip by yourself? <laughs> I, I was not. I went, what? I went with the young lady I am currently seeing. Go ahead. Okay, that's usually your opening, Jeff. Oh, you no, go. no, no, I'm nothing if not a gentleman. Please continue. You go, isn't she the same age as you? And then I say, well, exactly, we're both young. Anyways, it was her cousin getting married in a mansion, an area, I think it's Catonville, Maryland, if nice. I expect, which is really from Baltimore, I'll say maybe 20 to 30 minutes max. So we went down this past Friday, left uh, fairly early, got into town and decided, you know what, we should do D.C. So we actually decided the the wedding taking place on Saturday evening, 
gave us all day Friday, Saturday in the day, and then yesterday being Sunday, we had those days free. So we did DC on Friday, Annapolis on Saturday, and then Baltimore yesterday. And it was really a lot of fun, a really great time. But Jeff, you know, if I go on vacation, the first thing I'm- yeah, it's food. Look, it, food is it, it's it. I'm looking at places to eat. There's food and, of course, beaches that that wasn't happening. So food really got a lot of the attention. Not a lot of good beaches in the D.C. area, huh? No, not this time of year, apparently not a lot of great beaches. But we went down to D.C., had a little traffic, which nobody's ever said about traveling into D.C. Before. No, never. And uh, and yeah, we got to walk around. We uh, we saw the Lincoln Memorial. We saw we went to a lot. We went to every everywhere except for the White House. The White House uh, and this should they're busy right now. I'll just say that. Exactly. The White House is a little busy. So I think getting near the White House, there's like a million fences right now. The National Guard's out. We decided to skip that and didn't do a lot of eating in D.C. However, I did go to Ollie's Trolley. Oh, yes. The former Lums or the last freestanding Lums, right? And I know that uh, Bruce Cohen right now is jumping up and down as I say that. But I went into Ollie's Trolley because if, uh, you know, growing up with Ollie's, which was Miami Beach, Ollie's sold his recipe for Ollie's burgers to Lums. And then this has turned into the Ollie's Trolley, which was all part of the Lums deal. So. I got an order of fries. It was nice. Gave Ozzy some of the fries. First time that my girlfriend has ever tried Ollie's fries. Liked them a lot. And then we decided, let's go back to the area where the hotel is. There were lots of restaurants and let's grab dinner. And that was through my prodding because what was the restaurant that was directly across the street, Jeff? Glory days. Oh, I thought I Thank you. I thought you, you thought were I was going to say hole. Oh, I thought yeah. you were saying you went to a glory hole. Ah, like, okay. That yeah. may not be appropriate for a family podcast, but anyway, continue. Such as ours. So yes. uh, super excited to go to glory days because obviously if you've ever attended a fan fest in Florida, when we do our CWF legends fan fest, there's anywhere between one to three or four meals that takes place at glory days. I think the last time I was there, I ate there five times. And I think every time I ate there, I was eating those Korean wings. Travis Rains now going, Who? what about the peppers? Who? 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 John Doe saying, what about those deep fried shishito peppers? So I walked into Glory Days. I looked at the menu. The Korean wings are now on the menu, full-time item. With great enthusiasm and joy, I ordered the Korean wings, an order of seasoned fries, eating healthy. And Sounds like it. Yeah, and then the the uh, my girlfriend ordered whatever the Glory Days version of Bang Bang Shrimp were. I've had those. Excellent, by the way. And we got, uh, I think I, got, I wanted to get the Bombay Sapphire Tonic Two Limes. They did not have it. So I got uh, an imported beer, which was Corona, which is almost like drinking water with a lime. And uh, Wait a minute, hold on. Certainly. Let me give uh, five, four, three, two, one. That's uh, giving five seconds to the people that are now, no matter what beer you mentioned in some way, they're going to criticize, you know, because you have the, the beer snobs that only want 
uh, you know, the latest uh, stuff. Then you've got the people, oh, if you're not drinking a beer from Europe, you're a friggin' wuss. Uh, you know, then, of course, you've got the people that are favoring uh, other kind of beer. Okay, so we, we've gotten through that. Please continue with your— and, uh, and you're right about that. And I'm not really a big beer guy. The reason I do like Corona, let's be honest, that's an easiest thing to ever drink on the face of the earth. However, my girlfriend did get this drink called an Orange Crush, which was ruby red vodka. Ruby red grape. I'm in right vodka. now. Go ahead. <laughs> grape, ruby red grapefruit juice and Cointreau. And I took a sip and I said that might be the greatest drink I've ever had. You what taste- kind of vodka did she drink? What was the, the brand? It, well, it, we won't get political, so it wasn't a Russian vodka. Thank you. It, exactly. It was something that— Ukrainian we, vodka, we will accept at this point. I would have accepted that. However, it was a ruby red grapefruit vodka. I, I forget what the company was. So it was a vodka that already had the ruby red. Add in the ruby red grapefruit juice, the Cointreau. I took a sip of this, Jeff, and I, Jeff, and I said, this may be the greatest adult beverage I'd ever had. I tasted no alcohol. I only tasted grapefruit juice. She had two, and I practically had to carry her into the car. So uh, that, that was your plan, probably from the get-go. Go 100%. Ahead. Made for a fantastic night. That's exactly what my plan was. She'll tell you the same thing. It made for a great night, but this beverage was great. However, let's discuss the food, right? Because that's really the wheelhouse that we're in. And no, look- trust me, there's a couple of people out there that are wanting to go further into the detail of what happened when you got back to the hotel, but. Uh- I'm 58 years old. And quite <laughs> frankly, if you want to hear about that, you're twisted uh, at my age. So, uh, but I got to say after this show's done recording, you can tell me. And I, you know, I will, as I always do the, the food, which really centers around the wings was a massive disappointment. Really? And, yeah. So here, here's where the sadness comes. Apparently there has been a menu revamp at glory days and they now offer, I think it's 12 to 14 different styles of wings. And uh, they're doing a Nashville hot, which sounds great. But there was all these different types of wings. I saw Korean. Obviously, I got really excited. These were not the same Korean wings that I had gotten. So the wings we had, we had, the ones that Travis and I, John Doe and I were talking about with the fried shishito peppers, which is a Japanese pepper, which retains a lot of flavor, but not a traditional, uh, a lot of heat. But there's a great flavor to it. These were not the same kind of wings. Those wings were appeared to be baked and the sauce had been baked on them. Maybe they were fried and then baked. I don't know how they were doing it, but the sauce, these wings were not dripping with sauce. There was no additional sauce. They were on the actual wing. The wings I got were wings that had been deep fried, tossed in a sauce and thrown into a basket. And it wasn't the same. There were no peppers. As wings go, they weren't bad, but a disappointment if you were expecting what the special was. Uh, the bang bang shrimp, I forget what they, firecracker shrimp, right? Isn't yeah, that something it? something like that, yeah. Uh, wonder where they got that. That was, they were good. They're, they're cooked right. They were good. I will say this restaurant was packed like, uh, you know, there must have been 100 people waiting. We went to the bar area, was able to get a table, but uh, the restaurant just jam-packed. But, you know, Glory Days vibe, cocktail great, food was okay, but it's always fun to be in a Glory Days. The next day, though, Jeff, Annapolis. And Annapolis, to me, I don't think I had ever been and spent any time in Annapolis. Absolutely. I, I will say I've been there before. Absolutely beautiful. 
and you have been there through your connection of your father because yeah. Annapolis is the Navy. If you're in the Navy in our country, you'll spend a little time in Annapolis at some point, right? Yeah. What a fucking city it is. I, I had only driven through, and there's there's a lot of different areas. There is the waterfront district, which is where a lot of people from out of town come. Uh, spent a few hours there. That was absolutely great. There, what I liked about that area of Annapolis, there are no chain restaurants other than a Mission Barbecue. Mission Barbecue obviously tied into the military. They donate, I believe it's 10% of their profits go to, to the military. So I thought that was great. Also, had never seen a line to get into mission like I saw that night. There had to be 150 to 200 people waiting to, to order their food. So we did not go to mission. We went back into the city of Annapolis and lo and behold, there was an Amish market. Well, Jeff, this is Somehow heaven said, this is what heaven's going to look like for you when you pass away. And this is exactly what it is. You walk in and it is a full grocery store with everything that you could ever want underneath the sun and then shit you didn't know you wanted. They have, right? So uh, first thing that caught my eye, all the baked goods, all the no. all the prepared foods, Jeff, they, there is a sandwich station on the right. They were featuring a six-inch hoagie roast beef. Six-inch? Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's what she said. Well, uh, you're familiar four, with that length. Go ahead. Please. Like, <laughs> I pray for that length. 375 for a six-inch roast now, beef. Now, this is now the six-inch episode. Go ahead. This is the six-incher. Exactly. But I made my way down, and I'm going to post these photos in the group uh, when this episode drops. They had cases full of fried chicken. Now, I'm not talking 30 pieces of fried choking, fried choking, or choking. Uh -huh. Gee, okay. why were you thinking of that? Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking hundreds of pieces of fried chicken in a case, and they're selling it at record numbers. There's behind the counter of this area, which is the smoked meat fried chicken area. There is somewhere around 10 employees just cranking this shit out. So. That was amazing. I got some Amish fried chicken, maybe the best, right up there with some of the best fried chicken I've ever had. Compare then, it. Compare it. Uh, Publix. Publix. I mean, good Publix or is right on par. Hard okay. for me to say, but right there. And there was the place in uh, Los Angeles, Roscoe Fried Chicken and Waffles, I thought was fantastic. And if you remember the old Chicken Unlimited chain, from our youth in, in South Florida, I thought that was some of the best. Uh, great fried chicken. But then I made my way down to the smoked meats. And they have something called smoked brisket. Now, it's not brisket, though it's the same. It is brisket in the sense, but it looked more like corned beef. It, it had the color of corned beef, but corned beef is brisket, just prepared a different way, the same as pastrami. And then they there's the whole several whole smoked corned beefs, briskets, whatever it is. Then it's sliced and it, be, it they slice it thin. It almost takes on a bacon texture to it in a way. So I picked up a half a pound of that. And then, of course, there's the Amish donuts, Jeff. And oh, uh, so I will say that I'm going to get something to eat after we're done recording. Go ahead. So, so am I. My mouth is watering. I, I've had today, Jeff, I've had uh, raspberries, yogurt, granola, and an apple. And it's uh, 320. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to start fucking eating. 
But then I got a donut, and I will say before I tell you what the donut was, the girlfriend said this, again, my age, this is the best donut I have ever had. And it really was that good. We got the Black Forest Donut, which has got a chalk, a light chocolate cream inside topped with cherries, like a cherry pie filling, and chocolate on top. What makes the donut so good is these donuts are made and then sold same day. There's no hint that this donut has gotten stale. No hint that it's been sitting around for hours. It is fresh. It is doughy. It is worth every penny of that $1.50 I paid. And I got to tell you, that $1.50 is a, is a bargain. It's a steal. So if you've ever been in Annapolis and gone to this Amish market, I know that you 100% know what I'm talking about. I will say, when I went to the fried chicken in the smoked meat counter, Jeff, my number was 96. When I, when I, the first number they called out after I'm standing there was 70. Ooch. So there, exact, but it wasn't, I don't know, 15 minutes. Yeah. And, but you could just, that's the popularity of where we were. That good, I will be going back specifically to this place. It was fantastic. Yesterday we hit Baltimore. So our three days, DC, Baltimore. Baltimore. And uh, we did the Inner Harbor, which is always fun. It's Sabatino's? Very, so we did not do Sabatino's, which I thought about. There was a Phillips, which is the big, you know, fried seafood chain down in the region. Uh, we did that. We wanted to do Capitol Grill for lunch because they had outdoor dining and I was with Ozzy, but they decided that uh, they were only opening up at five o'clock. So we would not be able to do it. Wound up doing Shake Shack. Again, Bruce Cohen getting a Woody based off of that. You can still get a Woody? Shack. He, well, rumor has it. I yeah, don't know. Okay. However, first time for the girlfriend ever doing Shake Shack. We you got are, you are broadening her horizons. I and I'm going to isolate that because we often joke that in a lot of ways I am showing her a lot of things at her age, and she is showing me things at my age. Oh, which, I bet. No, and I'm, a, <laughs> I'm food related, of course. Uh. Well, in my case, it's food related. In her case, it's not. But with that. I'm appreciative and I think she is as well. So took her to Shake Shack. We both got the same thing. It was a, a double smoke shack, which is the double cheeseburger with bacon. And they add the cherry pepper relish for a little heat, which we like. Did, did you check your cholesterol levels after the weekend? <laughs> My cholesterol, Jeff, it, the fact that I'm breathing and not dead and having a heart attack is probably a miracle at this point. So yeah. And then I'll tell you what I had for dinner last night, which will go right along in line with this. So we got that, added some pickles and onions to these. We both finished it off. She said, wow, that really is a great hamburger. And it really was. They, they hit, you know, some Shake Shacks are better than others, like all restaurants. This was a winner of a Shake Shack. Got some fries, felt good. Uh, and then we got in the car and we drove home. Made it home last night. Didn't feel like cooking or getting, you know, we're, what are we going to get to eat? American Idol. First episode on last night. We both wanted to see it. Jeff, did you watch American Idol? I, in fact, was watching the Tournament of Champions on the Food Network. <laughs> Which so just both goes of to us. show you how exciting my Sunday night was. Yeah, well, look, I'm watching Idol. Not much different. So it shows our age. But we watched Idol. It was fun. However, she said there's an Italian place right across the street, and they have the best penne alla vodka I've ever had. And I said, that sounds good. Went across the street, 
I got rigatoni a la vodka, a Caesar salad, and with that, they give you a full loaf of garlic bread, warm, buttery garlic bread. I don't know what I paid, 15, 16 bucks. I got to tell you, there was enough rigatoni vodka salad and bread for two to three people for 15 bucks. We ate that. We still had leftovers. It was, I would say, uh, if I was rating it on a scale of one, on a Meltzer scale, one to five, it was a solid 4.5. It was that good. Don't then, go above five because people are going to start bitching. And, you know. I think I'm on the payroll of this Italian restaurant. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Then for dessert, we finished them off with two chocolate chip cookies stuffed with this cream filling. So kind of whoopie pies, but it but substitute cookies and then it's dipped in chocolate. So take into account everything I ate yesterday. I'm somewhere in my opinion between the 3,500 to 4,500 calorie range. You may be fatter than I am at this point. I, I think, well, you've actually lost weight. Last I saw you had lost weight. I'm clearly gaining weight at this stage. My cholesterol's got to be through the roof. The fact I'm breathing is probably a miracle. That being said, culinary-wise, really happy. Belly was Lewis! happy. Uh, please. You've, you've I done? felt good. Yes, I'm good. Lewis, please join us, sir. Our own uh, producer, the sweet man, scam likely Lou Kippelman, recently going back to his college haunts, Barry. And as Barry and I have discovered today, the day we are recording this, Lou broke kayfabe on something we did not know. Lou, a proud uh, graduate or just former attendee, Lou? Oh, I've got the diploma to prove it. Okay. Of, in fact, the University of California, where? At lovely and scenic Santa Cruz. Yes. And Barry, please explain to the listeners why I popped when I found that out. Well, there's a reference to uh, that university's T-shirt in one of our favorite movies that we discussed ad nauseum, Pulp Fiction. Yes, that uh, is the T-shirt that John Travolta uh, puts on after he goes to get cleaned up after the unfortunate accident in the car. Yep. So, Lewis, you yes, had sir. a chance to go back to your old uh, college town. Please enthrall us with tales of what you and Mrs. Kibbelman did. Yeah, I could say it's, well, let's see, not as many highlights as, as Barry's recent trip, but it was a, a good old stroll down memory lane 28 years after I graduated. My wife uh, had the week off, so we decided to, you know, take a, a trip, not a very long distance, probably about an hour and a half drive from San Francisco, but uh, a very nice time in a very scenic area, the Monterey Peninsula. We stayed in Scotts Valley, just north of Santa Cruz, and we got to, boy, we're going to sound like a really old couple. Uh, mainly, we went to the Monterey Peninsula because my wife wanted to see monarch butterflies. There's one particular habitat for them in Pacific Grove, right near Monterey. So we got to, we got to watch the butterflies. Aww. And what was the food highlight of your uh, couple of days? Well, I got to introduce my wife to a couple of places, a couple of long-tenured establishments around Santa Cruz, which I used to haunt in my, my college days, a couple of good places for breakfast, you know, and try to, you know, keep it local, obviously not 
not too many uh, of the higher fine fine dining chains in the area, but we got to uh, enjoy some breakfast at Linda's Sea Breeze Cafe, uh, not too far from the Beach Boardwalk, and then another place called the Walnut Avenue Cafe, high quality. And my my wife got a Monte Cristo sandwich. Not too many people, I think know about the Monte Cristo sandwich. Yeah, the last last place I know that used to serve a Monte Cristo, Barry Bennigan's used to have a Monte Cristo. Remember that? Oh, my God. Did I? Where was I? I was somewhere recently, and they had a Monte Cristo, and I, I was at – so I think we talked about Cheddar's Restaurant, Jeff. Yeah, I've to, we've talked about Cheddar's before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was at Cheddar's, and they had the Monte Cristo, and I didn't get it. My God, is a Monte Cristo a great sandwich? Very good stuff. So, so Lou, you got a chance got a chance to recharge the proverbial batteries, pretty much, huh? Indeed. And yeah, besides breakfast, we also we got to enjoy uh, Turkish food and Greek food. Mm. So we were enjoying uh, both sides of that divide. I'm always a fan of Mediterranean stuff. And the Turkish food, it was they called it Turkish street food. And I got a box. Yeah, they had food in a, a bowl or a box or a plate. I got a box. So essentially they threw. Bear, did you have a bowl this weekend? Oh, that's probably not food related, though. Go ahead. I did. Sorry, Lou. Yeah, oh, that. no problem. Yeah, they got plenty of that in Santa Cruz, too. But the, the box, French fries, chicken, Donner kebab. And I got to throw sauce right on top of that. It's it's essentially, I think, what you would really enjoy at about 10 o'clock at night after having said bowls. <laughs> so, you know, but college towns, you got to love, they, they cater to their target audience. So, indeed. Well, that's great, Lou. So we appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, Barry, sounds like uh, uh, everybody had a good food-related weekend. You know, it's so important, too. And, Jeff, this weekend, I am hopeful to be headed to Pittsburgh. As I as we record today, my youngest is not having a birthday, but my firstborn is, and that would be young Zachary. And Zachary turns 21 today. I, I saw the picture. Full head of hair on you, Zach. Full head of hair. Uh, I called him yesterday. I spoke with him today. Two days in a row. That hasn't happened in a while. And uh, as he notified me yesterday, I said, Zach, when is your spring break? And Zach said, well, it's funny you ask. I just found out it starts this upcoming Friday. And I was like, well, how are you getting home? And he said, I think one of my friends that lives in the area is going to drive me home. And I said, you know, I wouldn't mind coming back to Pittsburgh and picking you up. He got very excited because he knows that means we're going to go out and do a lot of eating over the weekend. So great chance I will be in Pittsburgh this upcoming weekend. Little Pramonti brothers. I would imagine that's probably for the trip home, a little Pramonti brothers, uh, hopeful to meet up with JB Thomas again, JB, just having a baby. I'm sure he'd be thrilled at this point uh, to be able to get out of the house. You know, Javorski, you're not going to hang out with Javorski. You don't want to ruin your weekend. Well, it's, you know, but the cranking and I could introduce him to uh, to my girlfriend. He could talk about his cranking. Uh, which would <laughs> what be, woman yeah. wouldn't love to hear oh, that? <laughs> exactly. And uh, and then Ed Demko, who months ago was going to explain to me the fine intricacies of the movie Cannibal Holocaust and why I should like it, because I currently don't. So I'm hopeful. And then if there's anybody else in Pittsburgh, I think we are looking at a Sunday 
brunch lunch kind of deal. My girlfriend will be with me. My son will be there. So it'll be a great time to uh, bring on shit jokes and everything else with them there. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'm making it. I'm probably 75% sure, Jeff. Speaking of Pittsburgh, I right now am reading a book that is the biography of one of Pittsburgh's favorite sons. No, not Bruno San Martino, not Dan Marino. In fact, Barry, do you? I know you're not a huge football fan. Do you know who Bino Cook is? I don't. Uh, Bino Cook, former longtime uh, ESPN uh, guy on their college football show. Uh, he also worked uh, for various NFL franchises. The Dolphins uh, worked for uh, <clears throat> the uh, University of Pittsburgh uh, in their sports information department, I believe. Uh, was a big, uh, big local celebrity in the Pittsburgh area. I'm reading that book so far. Pretty good. So as we begin to round the turn to head for home on this week's episode, Barry, want to mention our good friend Frankie Seacrest. Because Frankie posted out there that there was a contest that he was interested, had a free giveaway of our friend Greg Klein's JYD book. And I said, so how's the contest going? Well, uh, limited participation. So, Barry, I'm going to throw this at you unannounced. I will reciprocate after you're done. Barry, it is 1977. Barry Rose is a heel wrestler going down to the rings of CWF. And you are going to challenge the American Dream. Dusty Rhodes, give me a 30-second promo. Go. Let me tell you something, Dusty Rhodes. I came into the state of Florida. You had nothing to do with me coming here. I know that you went to the promoters to try to keep me out of this state. I have come in. I have been training special for this match. Judo Al Hayes has shown me karate that I will be using in this match, which is legal because I had my lawyers contact Sam Munchnik, that title around your girthy waist right next to that big splotch that's going to be around my muscular waist. Come this Friday night in Tallahassee. You should be there. Get your tickets now because you're going to be able to see the American dream go down in flames. <clears throat> Went a little long. <laughs> I, I, me, yeah, this is a total blindside here. Cut a promo on Dusty. All right. We're helping Seacrest out. All right. What and did the I lovely- what a lovely Mrs. Actually, we're doing it for the lovely Mrs. Seacrest, not so much Frankie. All right. Uh-uh. So here we go. Ready? Bayfront Center. Bayfront Center. The American dream. That's what Dusty Rhodes calls himself. Let me tell you something, Dusty Rhodes. Let me tell you something, Dusty Rhodes. The American dream be revealed to be nothing but a lie, but a myth, because in the Bayfront Center, Dusty Rhodes, one, two, three, the end of the American dream. What'd you think? All right, well, much better than mine, but you're a fucker. You fucker. <laughs> you knew ahead of time, and I had no idea. I've been like, practicing in the bathroom. Yes, look, look at, at you. You, were, you knew the Dusty Rhodes. Your sister almost assassin-like voice right there. (laughs) I love it. So I'm going to say Frankie has suggested submitting promos like this to he and a select group of uh, Board of Governors of Breaking Cave. Do we have Board of Governors? But anyway, the Board of Governors of Breaking Cave, Fabo Bowden and Barry and Frankie and Mrs. Seacrest, please submit your, uh, your promo. We did 30 seconds or less. Make it a minute less so you don't go uh, all, you know, too long on it. So 
But uh, so we would encourage you to do that. Reach out to Frankie uh, on Facebook, Facebook Messenger, whatever, and submit your promo. It's 1977. It's the American dream. You're going to the Bayfront Center to take them on. Let's see what you got. I'm talking to uh, some of you out there that uh, are a little bit full of yourself, so it should be uh, right up your alley. Barry, Breaking Cafe with Badger and Barry, a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network for Lou Kippelman, the sweet man, back from vacation with the UC uh, Banana Crew, uh, Santa Cruz Banana Slugs there. Uh, Mr. Rose, back from vacation to the nation's capital. I am going to leave you with one last comment. Barry, I've been holding off on this, haven't wanted to reveal it, Select group of people know this intel, including yourself and Lewis. But I am now revealing to all those listening, Barry Rose, I am now officially 200 pages complete, 200 pages in book number three. I didn't want to do it when I was 10 pages in, didn't want to reveal it because I'm worried that I would, you know, like, ah, I don't want to do it anymore. But now I'm frigging 200 pages in on book number three. I would really like to have it. By the time the Fan Fest rolls around, I'm making all efforts to make that happen. So my third book, which will be about the top 100 matches of the 1980s into book form. And Barry Rose, you may play a part in that book. What do you think? Oh, I like that. Take it home, Luke.